When it's time for an adventure on the open highway, one quick call to American Family Insurance gets you headed in the right direction. Our travel peace of mind package is there if you encounter a bump in the road. From roadside assistance to rental car coverage, we have you covered. Find a local agent or get a quote at amfam.com. American Family Insurance. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI, and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Whether you need to restock the fridge or just have a sudden, intense craving for cheese puffs, Kroger Delivery will get you just what you need in as little as 30 minutes. From groceries to household items, Kroger delivers right to your door. So don't let one major craving have you reaching for your car keys. Open the Kroger app and start your cart, whatever the cart. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Delivery times not guaranteed. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. Hello there and welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me your host Dan the Viking. This week we are talking about quite a sad subject and something that I kind of remember from my childhood um, despite being probably six years old at the time um, it is something that has sort of stayed with me and obviously Something that stays with a lot of people um, around my age, possibly, uh, and our our parents. So, anyone from the age of probably twenty eight to probably forty, um, you will know this story, and your parents will definitely remember this story, especially if you're from the UK. Americans um, and the rest of the world, I don't know how much you know about this story. Um, whether it's something that was even covered in your media. Um, but it is something that highlights how different countries deal with problems that they, that they see in society. Um, Australia followed suit very similar, um, with what happened here. Um, a similar thing happened in Australia, um, which was a port, uh, it's called Port Arthur, which was a massacre at Port Arthur. Um, which I will be covering at some point because, uh, again, it's a story that, that interests me. Um, this week, the story of Dunblane will be the highlighted story. Um, now, before we get involved in the story, um, I want to just talk through the history behind firearms in Britain. Now, firearm firearms have been around in Britain since the the late 1400s um, and there was an act brought in by Queen Elizabeth I that banned concealed wheel revolvers okay um, it almost seems irrelevant now but there are there were a string of firearms acts that were built bought in after um, Queen Elizabeth did hers these all came to a conclusion in 1968 where the Firearms Act was introduced and this brought together all existing firearms legislations 
into a single statute. So everything was brought together. Applications for firearm certificates, uh, these were rifles and handguns, meant that the person had to be of good character and show good reason for possessing a firearm. They also had to prove that the weapon could be stored securely. Now, we do still have this act. We do still have um, rifles and pistols in this country or handguns. Um, and when they are stored, they do have to be um, securely locked away. And they can be subject to an inspection at any point during the year. Bearing in mind, guns in this country are not very common. Um, these inspections are more common than probably the guns themselves. So if you have an inspection, your gun is not securely stored away, you will go to prison. Okay, there is no grey area with this. If it's if you're home and it is not stored away, that's it. You're in prison. Um, the Act also introduced a shotgun certificate for the first time. Now, the shotgun certificate was far less rigorous um, and it was a lot easier to obtain. It covered any number of shotguns, but no good reason was required and there was no storage requirements. So you only had to really be of good character to be able to get a shotgun. Now, bearing in mind, a character reference can come from anybody um, in a position of power. So, for example, I could get a character reference from probably my dad because he's a police officer. But you know, it, it's not hard to get a character reference to be able to obtain a shotgun. Now, this was the legislation as it stood until the Hungerford Massacre in 1987. Now, the Hungerford Massacre, I, I will probably do an episode on as well, um, but this brought in the Firearms Amendment Act in 1988. And this, this act introduced new restrictions on shotguns, pump action and self-loading rifles. These were now all prohibited. Also controlled were military weapons firing explosives ammunitions. So mortars, things like that, believe it or not, were legal up until 1988. Um, I believe now the only thing that you can legally own that, that is of military grade is a cannon um, I thought I'm almost certain you can still own a cannon in the UK. In 1997, the Firearms Amendment Act was introduced, and this followed the tragedy in Dunblane, which obviously we're going to be talking about. Um, the Conservative government introduced the Firearms Amendment Act in 1997, which confined handguns to clubs and prohibited large-caliber handguns. The Labour government, which took over later in the year, introduced the Firearm Amendments Act Number no. 2, which banned civilian ownership of handguns almost completely. Okay, There were exceptions which were muzzle-loading shotguns and starting pistols, so obviously things like that which are very hard to ban, these were not banned, and obviously muzzle-loading guns, um, you know, the it's very hard to, to cause mass damage with a muzzle-loading shotgun because by the time you fired it once, everyone's run away and it takes you 10 minutes to reload it. So, And obviously starting pistols are designed for races. So this is where we were. Now in 1997 when this was introduced, they literally banned 
all guns. Guns were not able to be to get you could not get hold of them now i remember um very vividly there being um what we like an amnesty of guns um being handed in so you'd find police stations um probably up until about 98 99 where they were literally just taking in bin loads or wheelbarrow loads of these guns um just to to obviously get them off the streets um and ever since Dunblane, there has not been a massacre like that in this country. Um, so, obviously, it does work. Um, amnesties and uh, things like that do do work. Um, but this uh, this is quite a, a sad story. Um, it is not. It's not a nice one. Um, so before we get into it, um, if anybody is a little bit um can get upset very easily or, or doesn't like hearing about um massacres and things like that which i'm assuming there are going to be some people um this is probably the point where you, you should turn off because uh, it does take a very downward spiral from here dumblane is a small village um or town just outside of sterling in Scotland, uh, not far from Glasgow and Edinburgh, sort of if you were to draw a triangle, um, Dunblane would be at the top. It's a small, quiet town where not much happens. It's it's your standard Scottish village. Um, had it not been for this, the most famous thing um, from Dunblane would be Andy Murray, Britain's number one tennis player, um, who actually was at the school. Uh, in Dunblane when this happened we're going to talk about the perpetrator of this uh, man named Thomas Hamilton uh, Thomas Hamilton was born on May the 10th in 1952 in Glasgow Scotland like I said Glasgow was not too far from Dunblane his mother a hotel chambermaid was divorced from his father by the time that Hamilton was born Hamilton never knew his father and grew up with his, his mother's adoptive parents believing they were his biological parents. He also thought his biological mother was his sister, until he was told the truth when he was 22 years old. Hamilton had become an assistant Boy Scout leader at the age of 20, but soon came under suspicion because of his behaviour towards boys. Now this should have been a great red flag right there. After a number of complaints, he was forced to leave, a move which angered him. He repeatedly asked to be allowed to return, but to no avail. He wrote letters of protest to various government authorities claiming persecution. In the meantime, he became a gun collector, and he organised several boys clubs in which he taught shooting, gymnastics and sports. Why this man was ever allowed near children again um, baffles me um, and obviously baffles people now to this day. Though his clubs were initially popular and well attended, his reportedly strange behaviour eventually alienated club members and their parents and the clubs were forced to shut down. Hamilton was often described as a misfit who bottled up his paranoid resentment and was nicknamed Mr. Creepy by the other uh, members of the town in Dunblane. 
So we're getting a bit of a picture of him. Now to me, he's a bit of a an outcast, possibly a paedophile, has a, an obsession with children which has been taken away from him on more than one occasion. Um, this should have been a man put into prison there and then. should be that simple. Um, he was a dangerous, dangerous man for kids um, and should never have been allowed around children. But we'll go to the day um, that, like I said, that lives in, in the memory of, of many people in this country. And just after 9.30am on March the 13th, 1996, local scout leader Hamilton drove into Dunblane's primary car park. Now, for those of you who don't know, a primary school is an elementary school, for those of you who aren't aware. He got out of his van and tried to block the phone lines of the school by cutting the cables by the telephone pole. He then entered the school carrying four handguns and 743 rounds of ammunition. Hamilton entered the gym, the school gym, where year one students had just arrived for a PE class with their teacher, Gwen Mayer. Year one students, these are five and six years old. He immediately opened fire killing Mayer instantly and wounded two other teachers who were present in the gym. While most of the children were dragged into a store cupboard for safety by their teachers, Hamilton fired 16 shots at point-blank range at a group of children who had been injured by his previous shots. Of them, 15 died instantly, whilst one child died later en route to hospital. Hamilton briefly left the gym but continued firing shots towards the library and mobile classrooms. When Hamilton went back inside the gym, he dropped the gun he was using and selected a Smith & Weston. He then shot himself, dying instantly. Hamilton used a Browning pistol 105 times. 17 people were dead and 32 sustained gunshot wounds all under just four minutes. The 106th bullet was for himself. The entire attack lasted no more than five minutes and is the worst massacre that's ever happened on British soil. Now, the reason this hits many people my age is because I was five at the time into uh, 1996, the start of 1996. The kids that were killed were my age. Um, every parent of every child at in the country was gobsmacked by this. This isn't, this isn't something that happens in the UK. We don't get school shootings. We don't get massacres. Um, we don't get children killed like that and we were left in shock um, the whole country mourned for these children that lost their lives and there was no reason for it 
There was no motive that was explained. Um, he wrote a string of letters from 1992 up to the time of the massacre that indicated he'd become obsessed with the notion he was being persecuted by the authorities and Scout Association officials. The letters also reveal his animosity towards council uh, or central regional councils, education authorities, as well as their teachers. But again, it doesn't really give you a motive. It just says that you know he didn't like the fact that he was kicked out of the school uh, or cut out the scouts, or he didn't like the fact that the schools were doing things the way they did them. He never really explained well there was no explanation for it and I think that's why it it really hit um you know growing up as well we especially in this country um we all hear about the um the Columbine shooting um mainly because of the the Michael Moore film um but we we all know about that you know it's common knowledge and, and when you look back at why these guys did it they were outcasts they were um, out to get people, you know, they went, they targeted a specific group of people for a specific reason. Obviously, these were completely unjustified reasons, but at least there was a sense of why this happened. With Dunblane, there was nothing. There was nothing. We had no reason f- to suspect it. There was no warning for it. This guy didn't even have anything to do with the school. He just walked in and started shooting children. At point blank range, um, and then, like majority of cowards in this situation, haven't got the bottle to deal with what they've done, kills themselves, and I think, you know, that it's it's detri- like I said at, at the time, um, Andy Murray, the British tennis player, was actually in the school at the time. He was eight years old. Um, it's not something he he's never actually spoken out about it. Um, there's no, I looked for some interviews on it. Um, you, you know, he's not spoken out about it. He doesn't really remember it from all intents and purposes. But again, there are stories from survivors who who obviously crawled into the cupboard and and did survive. Again, they don't really remember much about it because they were so young at the time. You know, five years old. Um, they don't really remember that they were shot they don't know no huge amount about what had happened and and uh, you know if if most people cast their memories back to when they were 5 years old they probably can't remember that much detail so it's one of those things that we will never know what he did what he said um if he even said anything um there was just no call for it there was no there was there was just no reason and the, the biggest thing was was the question why that was the question that was posted around around the UK was why why did it happen um, and the government had to act you know they had to act this was something that British people didn't want to see again and and they did you know they banned handguns um, in 1997 so the following year handguns were completely eradicated from the UK streets now that's not to say that massacres um stopped in the UK uh, they didn't and um, we have had two since then um the last one or the one, the first one after that was the 2nd of June 2010 uh, which 12 people 
um, were murdered in what we know as the Cumbria shootings. Um, this was uh, basically a shooting spree where a lone gunman or taxi driver, Derek Bird, killed 12 people and injured 11, 11 others before killing himself. Um, we then had a, a series of stabbings, um, knife attacks, bomb attacks, um, you know, just just reading through them. Obviously, we had the 7-7 bombings. Um, we had the Westminster attack in 2017, the Manchester bombing attack in 2017, the London Bridge attack in 2017. It was really a bad year uh, for terrorism in the UK. Um, 2019, the London Bridge attack, um, and then the stabbings in Reading uh, in 2020. These were all um, Islamist attacks. Um, but last year, uh, we had another one. Um, in 2021, August the 12th, 2021, we had what is known as the Plymouth shootings, um, which is an area of Devon. Um, gunman, 22-year-old Jake Davidson, or Davison, uh, shot and killed five people and injured two others before shooting himself. Um, again, no motive um, for it. But when you look at the the fact that we banned guns in 1999 uh, sorry 1999 1997 um, it's taken since then 24 years for there to, uh, to we've had two in 24 years uh, since then so the question I want to ask to to Americans is um, you know I'm well aware of your your second amendment and the fact that you guys cling to that and the fact that you are allowed to to own weapons and own guns um the question I want to ask is is do you guys um and this this goes out to everyone in the world because you know America's not the only country where guns are allowed um do you believe that if you were to ban weapons um following the UK's lead from from Dunblane um would it stop you know do you think it would it would stop the the mass shootings um obviously like i said it hasn't stopped them in the UK we have had two since then um but in comparison to countries like the United States um we're a, a drop in the ocean um and that's it's just a question um it's not a criticism i don't want to be criticizing anybody or any countries um and i i totally understand your second amendment rights and and all that but we had the same rights in this country and unfortunately society moves as fast as the slowest person and if the slowest person thinks it's okay to walk around with a gun killing people then we need to stop that. Um, there's a reason. That's the same reason why there's speed limits and things like that. Because some idiot decided to drive at 90 miles an hour instead of 30, and he killed people. So they dropped the speed limit down. Society can only survive if it moves as fast as the slowest person. And you know, the only way to do that is is to to take drastic measures. And I I, I wonder if uh, that is something that Americans. And other countries, like I said, there are other countries that have have gun crime, but 
America is the the country we we know most or we associate most with gun crime and and do you think that if you were to to get rid of them um these these would stop um just a, a food for thought now I am going to finish on a song um because this song was re-released after the massacre and I believe my mum still owns the CD of this. Um, it's one that people went out and bought in their drones um, to to get these um, because it raised money for the the families of Dunblane. Um, it was originally a song by I believe Bob Dylan um, and then covered by Guns and Roses, um, but this is the Dunblane uh, version and it's uh, knocking on heaven's door.
heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again. This time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply.